five, four, three, two. This is the Come On Network podcast. Come On Network, it's on the come up for sure. The best Pittsburgh-based podcast available. Is that so? If you're committed enough, you can make any story work. I, I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it. Bringing you the latest in Pittsburgh and national sports and entertainment with guests and a plethora of co-hosts. Can we get a come on? Come on. 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 This is where the fun begins. FNA Cotton FNA. Another year has gone by and another year of voting for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown has left people angry. It's left people underwhelmed. It's made a portion of the baseball fandom happy to a very small degree, which I guess is a very small degree better than a year ago when the BBWAA opted to impersonate Ron Cook and turn in a blank ballot. David Ortiz of Red Sox fame has been elected to the Hall this year, while Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens, most notably, failed to reach 75%, and thus, after 10 years on the ballot, those four guys are officially off. There's still a chance that they can get in. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But this is episode 106 of the Come On Network podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the pod. We are available wherever you get your podcasts multiple platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and more. And you can find us on social media as well at Come On Network, that's Twitter and Instagram. And on episode 106, we've got a full house taking a plethora of co-hosts line from the intro to heart. And I'm not going to hide it. We're going to bitch and moan a little bit on this episode of the Baseball Hall of Fame vote. Plus, we'll explain our votes, which we made available earlier this week on Twitter. Obviously, none of us have an actual vote or likely will ever have an actual vote, but we'll join in the fun anyway. Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, Joe Smeltzer, Ryan Simpson, Sean Saputo, and Greg Finley making his Come On Network podcast debut. We're with you for this one. And before we get started, a programming note for those that have been waiting for the Steelers autopsy. Uh, We've run into some scheduling conflicts with that. That episode will be available, we hope, next week. And we'll be joined by 93.7 The Fans, Andrew Filipponi and or Chris Muller for that episode. And we're hoping it's both of those guys. And we've got plenty to discuss, obviously, on the Steelers front. Okay, our first segment is the explanation of our ballots. And we'll go one by one. Everyone will have the chance to explain themselves. I'll get it out of the way now. You're going to hear a lot of the same content because a lot of our ballots are pretty identical uh, because we're all better than the baseball writers. Uh, But here we are. Uh, Happy to report that each one of the six of us used all 10 votes, which is not a requirement. All you have to do is ask Ron Cook. He'll tell you you don't have to use any if you don't want to in three of four years. And you can vote for one person in one of the last four years as well. Uh, But anyways, first up is Joe Smeltzer. We do have three holdover ballots from last year when we did this the first time. Our first man is Joe Smeltzer. Joe this year submitted a 10 vote ballot after voting for seven guys in the first year we did this a year ago. His votes are Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, 
David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, and Jeff Kent. Ortiz and Rodriguez are first-year ballot, uh, first-year guys on the ballot that Joe voted for. And his only ad is Jeff Kent. So, Joe, you can kick us off explaining what you did uh, with your ballot in your second year. Gladly. Um, I used all 10 votes uh, this year, which I don't believe I used last year. I added Jeff Kent partially because I feel like he's one of the better offensive uh, second baseman ever to play, and partially because I felt like spicing things up a little bit since I knew Kent had no chance of getting in. Uh, some of my votes uh, don't need a lot of explanation. Um, of course, the trio of snubs in Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling. Alex Rodriguez, from a statistical standpoint, cuts to mustard. Manny Ramirez, same thing, one of the best right-handed hitters of our generation. Scotty Rowan, I think, has a damn good chance to get in next season with Bond showing Clemens, Sosa, etc. falling off the ballot. And I hope he does get in because he's one of the best third basemen defensively of all time and more than held his own with the bat as well. The only thing holding him back, I think, I is that he might not feel like, quote-unquote, quote-unquote, feel like a baseball Hall of Famer the way other players do. And that's completely unfair, but I also think that plays a part in why Scott Rowland does not have a plaque yet. Archer Jones is a guy that's similar to Rowland in that he was a great two-way player, especially defensively. The thing that hurts Archer Jones is that he basically peaked by the age of 30 and didn't have a strong end to his career. By the time he was 31, 32, he was fat and stinky, and that's his fault. Um, but nonetheless, I think that what Andrew Jones did between 1996 and 2005 is good enough to warrant um, a Hall of Fame induction. So he had my vote again for the second year. Todd Hillen's a borderline guy. I can see arguments for and against. But what was the tiebreaker for me was that I'm a sucker for one-team guys and guys who were the face of their franchises for long periods of time in the free agency era when that's a rarity. From the time Larry Walker was traded in, I think, August of 2004 through Todd Helton's retirement in 2013, Helton was the face of the Colorado Rockies. And that's worth something for me because, like I said, there aren't a lot of players like that in this day and age in baseball. So that's the tiebreaker that sold me on Todd Helton. Then lastly, Big Poppy, it's not fair that he's in and Bonds and Clemens are not, especially with, as we'll talk about, David Ortiz's own steroid history but like Hilton with the Rockies he was the face of the Boston Red Sox for more than a decade um I'm not quite sure I agree with uh, Jared Carabas that Ortiz is the most important player in Red Sox history but he's definitely one of the most important and he was one of the rare players of the past 15 years or so that non-baseball fans knew and cared about everybody knew the name Big copy, it felt like. And that's worth something to me as well. So you also have to add in Ortiz's postseason brilliance, which is matched by a few. Yep, that's my 10, and it sucks that only one of them got in. And we mentioned David Ortiz, the only guy to get in in this year's class. That'll shift us over to, if you were reading on Twitter, ballot number one, uh, Ryan Simpson, who voted for 10 players once again this year, Bonds, Clemens, Helton, Jones, Sosa, Wagner, Roland, Rodriguez, and Ramirez. Tim Hudson gained Ryan's vote, and he'll explain that in a moment. He did drop Kurt Schilling and Omar Vizquel, and Omar Vizquel is one of the biggest drops in terms of percentages 
and ever in the MLB Hall of Fame voting uh, with the, the allegations that came out against Vizquel and Kurt Schilling, another guy, and Ryan will explain this too, that simply asked people not to vote for him. I don't know if that's the reason why Ryan uh, took Kurt off his ballot, uh, but again, those holdovers in the first-year players, A-Rod uh, is the only first-year player that uh, is on Ryan's ballot. Yeah, um, I'm going to kind of just echo a lot of things that Joe said. I mean, the obvious ones of Bonds, Clemens, uh, Andre Jones for me is a surefire thing. Manny, Alex Rodriguez, Scott Rowland, uh, those are all bona fide Hall of Famers. They will get in at some point, uh, one way or another, in my mind. Uh, I did vote for Sammy Sosa because though – uh, the the peak of his career was at his highest. The tail end was not, you know, what people like to think of Sammy Sosa. But I do believe what he meant to baseball during the home run chase. Um, he does have his iconic moments as a Chicago Cub. So I do believe that he is uh, worthy enough for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Billy Wagner is a guy that I believe is a Hall of Famer too. One of the few relievers that should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the guy broke his right arm and then learned how to throw lefty and was just torching dudes for his entire career. So uh, I believe he should get in. I did drop Kurt Schilling because he simply asked, he said, you know, I don't want to get in by uh, some writer's vote. I would like the players that I played with to vote me. in. so uh, that's why he was excluded from my ballot this year. Um, and as Kyle just mentioned, uh, the allegations against Omar Vizquel, as much as I love Omar Vizquel and loved watching him growing up, uh, I did drop him for the time being because there's just too much gray area uh, for me to vote him in at this point. Um, which leads me to Tim Hudson. So I did vote for Tim Hudson because I believe he has a very similar case to somebody else who uh, has stayed on the ballot uh, for two years now while Hudson uh, did fall off. Um, the player that I'm comparing Tim Hudson to is one Mark Burley. Uh, so in terms of war uh, on baseball reference, Tim Hudson has 57.9. Mark Burley has 59.1. So within two wins there. Uh, on Fangraph's war, Hudson is at 48.9 and Burley is at 52.3. So within three or four wins there. Uh, Mark, his first time on the ballot, got 11% of the vote. And then this past year, got 5.8% of the vote. Uh, Hudson in his first year just was able to stay on at 5.2%, which is why I included him on my ballot this year, though he fell off in real life uh, at 3%. Um, they both have 200 wins. They have over 3,000 innings pitched. They have over 1,800 strikeouts apiece. Both multiple-time All-Stars, both have a World Series ring. Uh, and as Joe just was talking about Todd Helton, they were both faces of their franchises for a time being. Mark Burley was the Chicago White Sox during that 2005 run as the ace, as the young ace of that staff. Um, Tim Hudson was the guy in Oakland when he came up, and it was him and Mark Mulder, and then Barry Zito found his way into the mix. And then when he got to Atlanta, he was the crafty vet. So that means a lot to me, though. He was not a one-team guy. He was the ace on multiple teams which I believe gives him a little bit more of a boost in terms of the Hall of Fame vote. Um, I would have liked to have voted for more than 10 guys, but sadly that's how stupid the rule is in terms of voting. Um, but I would, I'm really ashamed that Tim Hudson did fall off because if you're going to give Mark Burley a look and continue to keep him on the ballot, Tim Hudson deserved to have an extended look as well. Um, but hopefully he has a chance to get in eventually down the road as well. Numbers similar for Hudson as compared to Burley, his career ERA and ERA plus, if you look at those statistics, are both better uh, than Mark Burley's. Burley, as Ryan mentioned, comes in at 5.8%, which we'll discuss when we get to our second segment. He stays on the ballot. Tim Hudson's 3% is 12 votes. 
leave him off the ballot under the 5% uh, area that you need to get to in order to stay on the ballot another year. Uh, we'll shift over to our third explanation that belongs to Donnie Chedrick, who's a, obviously a Come On Network podcast regular. And uh, Donnie turned in his first ballot this year. He was on our episode last year, but if you remember that one, uh, Donnie did not fill out a ballot uh, last year. So this is his first ballot. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, David Ortiz as a first-year guy, Manny Ramirez, A-Rod as a first-year guy, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, and Billy Wagner, Donnie. Yeah, I mean, some of those are the obvious ones. Uh, Barry Bonds, quite possibly the greatest player um, in baseball history. Roger Clemens, similar to him, uh, maybe the greatest pitcher in baseball history. And I know I didn't want to drag on too much about those two obvious guys. Uh, and I know we'll complain about the voting aspect and the, the way it's done after our explanations. But uh, I've always been one to think for the people that are so against the steroid era guys or PED users. Uh, I've always argued to take the numbers of these guys before their alleged use uh, because they were Hall of Famers long and away uh, before that. That's in terms of Bonds and Clemens and even uh, someone like A-Rod. You know, I was never a Yankee fan growing up or an Alex Rodriguez fan, but uh, he's undeniably uh, one of the best baseball players of a whole era. Uh, three MVP awards to show for that. David Ortiz, the only guy to get in. Uh, now, he was among my favorite players growing up. And I would say the, the big thing that really helped him out, which has already been mentioned by Joe and Ryan, uh, the, the clutch gene that David Ortiz had uh, being one of the more clutch hitters in especially postseason history in the modern era of baseball uh, certainly didn't hurt him when it came down to the Hall of Fame. Uh, some of the other guys, uh, Manny Ramirez, you know, he, he's an all-time great hitter. I mean, he has over 550 home runs, uh, hit over 312 in his career, uh, nine-time silver slugger to go along with that. He won a batting title just like Alex Rodriguez did. Uh, Scott Rowland from the defensive side of things, you know, he, he wasn't the offensive force that maybe some of these other guys were. He still had over 300 home runs in his career and hit over 280, uh, but eight gold gloves for Scott Rowland. Uh, he was as solid as they come at, at the hot corner in this league. Uh, Kurt Schilling, um, he's pretty much just an epic legend in baseball uh, in my eyes. I know he told people not to vote for him, uh, but I will always think that the bloody sock game is one of the toughest performances in the history of sports. Uh, so that's going to be the, the feather in the cap for Kurt Schilling. Uh, and Billy Wagner, always a, a big fan of him. And, you know, Ryan said, uh, the cool thing about him was the injury that he suffered and pretty much just changed throwing arms uh, and still put together a borderline Hall of Fame career. Our next explanation belongs to first-year guy in terms of voting uh, with the Come On Network podcast. It's Sean Saputo, uh, and this is his first ballot. He does leave two of the final year candidates off, and Kurt Schilling and Sammy Sosa, and it's our only person to vote for and you'll hear this a little bit later when my ballot dropped Tory Hunter, but Sean's the only person to vote for Tory Hunter, as well as the only person to vote for Gary Sheffield. So he'll explain those two in a moment. Uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton joined those guys. 
Andrew Jones, David Ortiz, Scott Rowan, A-Rod, and, and Manny, Sean. Yeah, I don't want to reiterate pretty much everything that Joe, Ryan, and Donnie have all stated right now about the first eight guys that I voted for in Bonds, Clemens, Helton, uh, Jones, Ortiz, Ramirez, Rodriguez, and Roland. I, I think they're all uh, deserved of the Hall of Fame, just of course, you know, by not only myself, but all these guys um, voting for them as well. But uh, I, I really want to focus on Tory Hunter and uh, Gary Sheffield. And I'm going to start uh, out with Gary Sheffield. And, and you want to talk about a guy that, you know, uh, it started young with him and he was really that, you know, foundation for the championship that the Marlins won uh, in the late 90s. And, and he really helped that franchise get to a uh, championship level. But it, it wasn't only that, it was the fact that Gary Sheffield down the road had arguably two of his greatest seasons at the age of 35 and 36, where he finished third and second in the MVP voting, respectively, those years. If you look at the numbers for Gary Sheffield as time goes on, you never really see a drop-off. Post 30 years old, he had six years where he hit over 300 and another couple years where he was over 290. So his his Offense never dropped off while his defense uh, was, you know, it was solid uh, over 970 for a career fielding percentage. Uh, it was just that Gary Sheffield had always had that ability that no matter where he went, because he was with a number of different teams throughout his career, he started with Milwaukee, was in San Diego for a cup of coffee, ended up with Florida, was with the Dodgers, the Braves, the Yankees, Detroit, and then closed his career with the Mets. So he, he was a journeyman guy in a sense, but he performed everywhere that he went, which is why Gary Sheffield is one of those guys that I put on my ballot. And then on the flip side, Torrey Hunter, while his hitting number may not have blown you out of the water and I can speak for this and you guys can attest to this too because we're all in the same age range when we were kids he was the face of the Minnesota Twins when you were watching Minnesota Twins you and you thought Torrey Hunter you want to talk about one of the best outfielder defensemen in all of the MLB I would say arguably you know up there, probably top 15 in history of defense, a career 990 fielding percentage, nine-time gold glove winner. I mean, it's one of those things when we were kids, you would, you know, jump up against the fence and yell, you know, oh, I just T-hunted that that baseball and robbed somebody of a home run. I mean, nobody did it better than Torrey Hunter, not to mention he was a multi-time silver slugger. So, you know, Torrey Hunter – if he makes the Hall of Fame, he's not going to get in on his offensive numbers because he still had a solid career offensively hitting. You know, he hit just under 280, but he had 353 home runs and he came up just 548 hits shy of 3000 for his career a career 50.7 more, but his defense, I just think is enough in and of itself that if you want to reward people for hall of fame play, he, he was a hall of fame defensive player in my eyes. Tory Hunter was the lowest percentage to stay on the ballot this year at 5.3, uh, only got 21 votes, uh, was a guy that I had on last year. And I'll explain that uh, when we get to me, but we do have one more person before that. Uh, it is Greg Finley who makes his come on network podcast debut. I know he's excited about this one. Uh, his first vote, uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, Manny, A-Rod, Scott Rowland, Sammy Sosa, Billy Wagner, and Big Poppy. Yeah, I don't want to uh, repeat everything everybody said, but it's pretty uh, it's pretty self-explanatory that Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. 
And the fact that they're not after 10 straight years of this voting is just ridiculous. And I know we'll talk about this later, but what they did for baseball and what Sammy Sosa did for baseball, the fact that he didn't get in, him and Mark McGuire, that special that ESPN put out, that uh, it was incredible because every day everybody would go to the ballpark. Okay, what did Sammy Sosa do if you were at a Cardinals game or if you were at a Cubs game? What did Mark McGuire do? It just did so much for baseball, which was dying at the time. They had the lockout. People didn't care about it anymore. And who benefited from it but Bud Selig, who's now in the Hall of Fame. But the guys that put up these numbers – are not being put in. I just think it's ridiculous. And if I really would have uh, done it the way I wanted to, I would have only voted for Bonds, Clemens, and Sosa because everybody else doesn't deserve to get in until they're in. But I wanted to use all 10 votes. Uh, everybody's pretty much said what I wanted to say about these things. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that only one guy got in. David Ortiz is definitely a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt in my mind. But the fact that he got in over a some of these other guys in his first year, I just think it's a joke. All right. I'll try to be quick with this one. Uh, since most of what I would have said has already been said, especially number wise by Joe uh, and Ryan. So my vote uh, this year, it looks like a Christmas tree to a degree. Uh, if you know how Mr. Tibbs and all the guys who do the ballot tracking uh, do things, the red goes to lost vote. The green is the gain vote. Uh, first year players for me were a rod and David Ortiz, which I'll, I'll get to in a moment. Uh, Billy Wagner gained my vote this year, uh, and I voted for 10 as I did last year. So Wagner joined, uh, or Wagner, A-Rod, and Ortiz joined my holdovers of Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, uh, Manny Ramirez, Kurt Schilling, and Scott Roll. And I think those seven holdovers I made a pretty damn strong case for uh, last year, and these guys have already made uh, the case for those guys, there's no question. Vaughn's is, if not the best, the second best hitter ever to play the game of baseball, and he was a Hall of Famer before his alleged PED use. Roger Clemens has an argument to be a top three pitcher, if not maybe the best pitcher to some degree uh, in baseball history. I don't care about the PED use there either. Uh, Todd Helton, for all the reasons Joe mentioned, face of the Rockies, I think some of his Bill James career standards and uh, some of those uh, statistics that you can see on baseball reference aren't really up there for Todd Helton. Uh, but I think Helton being a borderline guy, uh, that's the second year in a row I voted for him. Uh, Andrew Jones, great defensively, uh, held his own with the bat, two-way guy. I, I thought he was a phenomenal player in his own right. Uh, that's why he gets my vote for the second straight year. And again, for reasons these guys have already mentioned. Uh, Manny Ramirez is, I think, the best right-handed hitter of our generation, pure hitter. Uh, look, made it look easy at the plate, uh, did some things that that we haven't really seen uh, in the generation of baseball uh, that we've grown up with. Uh, Scott Rowland, best defensive third baseman, if not, maybe if he's not the best, he's up there uh, in terms of defensive third baseman in MLB history, uh, held his own with a bat. I know, again, those Bill James numbers and some of the statistics don't really hang up for Rowland, uh, but I do think he will have a really good chance to get in next year, like Joe mentioned. Uh, and Kurt Schilling, you know, I don't care if he told us not to vote for him. Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Fame pitcher, um, and, and there's no reason for me to not vote for him. Uh, unless I want to keep somebody else on, which I opted not to do because I, I've pretty much come to the acceptance that Tory Hunter at some point is going to fall off. I've also had a little bit of a change of heart with Tory Hunter. I don't know that I would pencil him in as a for sure Hall of Famer. I think he's borderline. Uh, his Bill James numbers aren't great. 
Uh, some of the other things that, again, you can find these on baseball reference if you search the 2022 Hall of Fame ballot and kind of compare everybody in terms of numbers. And it doesn't show you the defensive stats. Uh, but, I mean, you can go back and look at each individual page and see some of those. Uh, I just more or less had a change of heart on Torrey Hunter, and I wanted to include David Ortiz uh, because I think he is absolutely a Hall of Famer. Uh, but, again, and we'll talk about this later, he had a positive test for steroids too. So he gets in, and it's ignored for him. And it's not ignored for other guys, which we'll talk about. I also dropped uh, Andy Pettit and Sammy Sosa from my ballot. More of a change of heart with those guys, especially Pettit. Uh, I don't really think that he uh, is, is to the standard of a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, some of his metrics are great, uh, but I, I left Pallet, or Pettit, Pettit off the ballot this year. And I don't think Sammy Sosa is a Hall of Fame player without the steroids. So I think that's more of a change of heart for me, too. Uh, with Sammy Sosa. So I did uh, take him off my ballot this year. Uh, in terms of Ortiz, I think a lot of these guys have already summed it up with him. He's a Hall of Famer, but again, it, it's it's putting him in and not putting Bonds and Clemens and not putting a Sosa in if you're going to vote for him uh, that I have a problem with if you're going to go to the character clause like DK and, and Pittsburgh loves to point out so much. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and Alex Rodriguez is one of my favorite players ever. Um, I loved watching him growing up. I, I had a t-shirt, a t-shirt jersey of A-Rod growing up when he was with the Seattle Mariners. Um, one, of, one of my favorite players of all time. He was the best shortstop on the New York Yankees while Derek Jeter was still playing for the Yankees, FYI. Uh, but Alex Rodriguez is among the best players that we have ever seen play the game of baseball with our own two eyes. Uh, his Hall of Fame uh, monitor for Bill James is 390. That is the best Hall of Fame monitor, and it's not even close on this ballot this year uh, for A-Rod. Uh, the career war is 117 and a half. His, his war seven is 64.3. The Jaws is up near 91. Uh, I mean, this guy's numbers are ridiculous. Almost 700 career home runs, and I know that he's got a positive test too, uh, but again, I think I speak for everybody here as we kind of shift into our next segment. We don't give a shit about the steroids. We, we just don't, uh, because I think we're of a younger generation as we, if, as we shift gears into this thing. I think if Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, all those guys, Sammy Sosa had the old 15 years on the ballot, they'd all be in by the writers because the writers are getting younger. And I don't mean to keep pointing at old and white people who are voting as these journalists that are voting for, for the hall of fame, but it's the old and white people that are keeping these guys out. It's the guys like, and I, I hate to name drop people, but if, if you live in Pittsburgh and you listen to this podcast and you're on Twitter, you see day on always invoking the character clause as the be all and end all Ron cook invokes the character clause and tells us about how he doesn't even think there's any Hall of Famers on the ballot because he's an idiot when it comes to this Hall of Fame voting. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you guys start to dig into it. I mean, I'm sure I'll, I'll still be fiery by the end of uh, five guys talking about this. So we'll start with Joe again uh, as we this is the bitch and moan segment of the podcast here on episode 106. So if you if you came here for bitching and moaning about the MLB Hall of Fame, you're about to get a steady dose of it. All right, so before we start the bitching and moaning, uh, which I will do, um, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. So Joe Smelter, the person, and Joe Smelter, the baseball fan, have two different takes on Barry Bonds. And that's because Barry Bonds, the person, and Barry Bonds, the baseball player, are two completely different animals. And 
Uh, to be clear, what I'm about to say about Barry Bonds applies probably to a lesser extent to Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling, too, because neither of those two guys were sweethearts diver. But anyway, Barry Bonds, the baseball player, is easily one of the top five players to ever play this game, maybe top three. And I think that should have outweighed any flaws or controversy in terms of Bonds' Hall of Fame candidacy, and therefore he got my mythical vote. Barry Bonds, the person, and I never met him, but from countless accounts, Barry Bonds, the person, was human garbage, at least for most of his life and for the entirety of his 22-season baseball career. And from a human standpoint, while I, if I had an official Hall of Fame vote, I would, I would have voted for Barry Bonds and not thought twice about it, thinking about how people have presumably made him miserable by snubbing him, when Bond spent so much of his life and all of his career making other people miserable, that makes me smile a little bit. So now that that's out of the way, the devil's advocate part, personal feelings aside, Bonds, Clemens, and Kurt Schilling deserve to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. My reasons are the same as all of your reasons and the same as the reasons that pretty much any baseball fan in the world that isn't a Hall of Fame voter presumably has of why they should be in the Hall of Fame. The fact that they aren't is a failure by baseball writers. And to have a steroid guy like Big Poppy in there while these guys are out just makes the Hall of Fame look like a farce and a joke. And I tweeted about this a day or two ago. I actually think David Ortiz has been hurt by Bonds, Clemens, and showing not being in as well. I can't feel too bad for Big Poppy. Not even three years ago, he was shot and now he's going to be a baseball Hall of Famer. Um, so that's not a bad turnaround. But still, if Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, etc. were inducted along with Big Poppy, people would just be happy for David Ortiz and leave it at that. Instead, more people are talking about the guys that are left out than Big Poppy being in, and are also bringing up Ortiz's steroid use too, which I'm sure he'd like to forget all about. And this also applies to Red Sox Nation because two of the three guys that are snubbed were former Boston Red Sox as well, and prominent Boston Red Sox at that. So looking forward to July when Ortiz is in Cooperstown giving his speech, people are going to be thinking just as much about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens as they are about David Ortiz. And I'm not blaming anybody who's going to do that. I myself am probably going to be thinking about that. But that's not really fair to David Ortiz, in my opinion. So, yeah, um, regardless of what I think about Bonds and Clemens and showing the people, the players deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, and hopefully one day they will be. All right, time for me to bitch and moan. So my, my issue with the Hall of Fame voting is obviously that I only have 10 votes. I left David Ortiz off of my ballot to include Tim Hudson. I know David Ortiz is a bona fide Hall of Famer. But because I am limited to 10 votes, I have to pick and choose who I use those votes on. And Tim Hudson deserves a longer look, hence why he got my vote. That's complaint number one. Complaint number two is that Jake Peavy, who won a Cy Young and a Triple Crown and was at his peak, arguably the best pitcher in baseball for a time, got zero votes and fell off the ballot. Meanwhile, Absolute morons voted for A.J. Brzezinski, who got two votes. Justin Morneau, who got five votes. 
Prince Fielder who got two votes. Mark Teixeira got six votes. The only person out of those guys who I could see getting any sort of vote would be Prince Fielder because he was one of the most dangerous power hitters in the game at one point, and Justin Morneau has an MVP. The fact that Jake Peavy got zero votes is an absolute shame. Writers are morons. Complaint number three is that as it stands today, there are 28 players in MLB history who have 500 or more home runs. Two of those players are active, being Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols. Out of the rest of that club, every single person who has ever hit 500 home runs is in the MLB Hall of Fame, except for players who are tied to steroids, being Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, and Manny Ramirez, and Gary Sheffield. It is an absolute abomination that these writers choose to leave these guys off the ballot because when somebody gets into baseball and they go to look at numbers like this, they're going to look at all those names and say, well, look at their numbers. They were fantastic. Like, what happened? Why, why aren't they in? And then they're going to go down the rabbit hole and find out all the things about the steroid era. And if the point of a baseball Hall of Fame is to preserve baseball's history and teach the public about what baseball means to a percentage of society, you need to include these people in that Hall of Fame. The fact that guys like Barry Bonds, who have so many memorable moments to their career, or A-Rod, or Sosa McGuire's home run chase, or Manny and all of his postseason moments, the fact that those things are preserved in the Hall of Fame to an extent through team memorabilia and team legacy, but the individual players do not have their names in the Hall is just so ass backwards to me because you have their stuff. You have stuff like Manny's bat. You have Barry Bonds' batting helmets. You have Palmero's cleats. Why can't you just put them in too? If you're obviously putting enough worth on their memorabilia and their equipment to preserve it, you need to preserve their names as well. And the Hall of Fame is a joke until those guys get their, get their due. Yeah, I think Joe said earlier that the MLB Hall of Fame looks like a farce. Uh, it is a farce, uh, a, a complete farce at that. Um, I don't know if it's to the point where these voters want to do it this way because it makes people talk more about baseball because, you know, we, we've seen over the years – uh, that it, it seems like the popularity with baseball and Major League Baseball is ticking downward more than upward. And yeah, the Hall of Fame is always a time when we see big debates come out. We don't see this really with any other professional sport Hall of Fame. You know, the NFL will vote in a handful of guys here in the next week or so before, or the next two weeks or so be, before the Super Bowl. Uh, basketball, there's never really big complaints hockey there's never really big complaints it always comes down to baseball because they pull out this phony character clause that they think is is an important aspect of guys getting into the hall of fame i don't buy it okay i understand that it was written in years ago that the character clause should be uh taken seriously but the fact of the matter is Players that get put into a sports hall of fame should be measured by what they accomplish on the field. 
I've said for a while, I don't really care uh, when it comes down to talking about all-time greats, what they do off the field. And I know we haven't had to had we haven't had to have that debate in other sports because they don't pull out some sort of rule like this. But every single year, we get the voters that want to puff out their chest and say, I'm going to be the gatekeeper that holds out Barry Bonds. I'm going to be the gatekeeper that holds out Roger Clemens. I'm going to be the gatekeeper that holds out Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod still has plenty of time on the ballot, and I hope that he eventually gets in. Uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, we can only hope uh, that they eventually get in through the alternate route that they can do so. Holding your best players, possibly of all time, out of the Hall of Fame makes no sense. Ryan brings up a great point. When you get the younger crowds into baseball, they're going to learn about people like Barry Bonds, and they're going to learn about people like Roger Clemens and think, why the hell are these guys not in the Hall of Fame? This guy looks like the best player that ever lived. And it's just because they did what was pretty common at the time. A whole era was defined by steroids and PEDs. It is the history of the game. It's just another era of the sport of baseball that people have to understand they're going to have to deal with. It won't go away. And I thought some great points were brought up during the week. Uh, you know, some different writers were able to speak out on why they voted for certain guys. These writers and these voters had no issues back in the late 90s, early 2000s, watching their careers rise because of players like Barry Bonds, because of players like Roger Clemens. They had no problem voting seven times for Barry Bonds to win the most valuable player, seven times for Roger Clemens to win the Cy Young. But now, when it comes to the lifelong eternity of the Hall of Fame, no, no, no. These guys are getting held out at the door because they put something in their body like many players did in their era. They just happened to already be the best players in the league when they did so. The thing is, and, you know, you can look at any Hall of Fame in any sport and even baseball. If you go back in time, I guarantee you, if you look into the 70s and the 80s before even the steroid era, there are guys in the Hall of Fame that abuse steroids. They use steroids. I, I mean, it, it, it's just an absolute debacle. First of all, old white fogies need to just sit their ass down and get out of this. That's, that's part one of the problem. It's just old white fogies who want to shake their fist and think, well, baseball needs to be played with no electronics and we just need a scorebook. Like, why do we need all this special like stuff? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's stupid. And then, you know, secondly, I don't give a shit who goes out kissing babies and, uh, you know, shaking the hand of every sports writer that they come across. When you are at a high profile level and at a Hall of Fame level within your career, you are going to be hounded daily 
no matter where you go, no matter what you do. And yes, you might get to a point where you just want to tell somebody to screw off and get the hell out of my face. And that's probably a lot of why Barry Bonds was the way he was and others like Roger Clements, because you constantly have recorders and microphones and cameras in your face every day. You don't live a normal life. It doesn't matter if you're the best player or if you're a subpar player. You have all that surrounding you on a daily basis, but it's more so when you are one of the all-time greats. A sport like baseball, and and Ryan alluded to it, and I, I love the point because I think about it every day. If it wasn't for the steroid era that we grew up watching the McGuire Sosa chase, we grew up watching Barry Bonds, we grew up watching the pitchers like Clemens, the pitchers like Schilling, Randy Johnson, all these Hall of Fame guys. I mean, the list goes on and on from when we were kids of who were Hall of Famers. Baseball was going to be dead if it wasn't for that era. I guarantee you, because I know myself was a baseball player. Kyle was a baseball player. Ryan loves baseball, works with baseball. Where would our mindset have been to want to play the sport of baseball as kids if it wasn't for that era? That era made baseball the, you know, NFL is always king, as we say, NFL is king. But at that time, people were glued to baseball to watch Sosa and McGuire in that chase, to watch Barry Bonds. When we were kids, our parents would let us stay up late to watch Barry Bonds go for the all-time home run record. They would let us stay up and watch Sosa and McGuire's at-bats because that's what ESPN and other sports stations were covering at that time. We got to witness that, enjoy that. But because all these voters who are 60 plus years old that don't have a brainstem anymore and still think that, you know, we run the world. It, 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 it's irritating beyond all belief in a hall of fame without these guys is not a hall of fame. You do not keep out the best of the best in the history of your sport. I couldn't agree more with you, Sean, and I've been saying this for years, that it, it's absolutely ridiculous that guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens don't get put in the Hall of Fame. They are the best of the best when it comes to this game, in in my opinion, especially Barry Bonds. There, there might be better pitchers than Roger Clemens, but it's not many. And the fact that the writers benefited so much whenever they were actually writing stories about what was going on in baseball during the steroid era – It saved their jobs, especially after the lockout. Baseball was dying, and I brought this up earlier in the first segment. It was dying, and Bud Selig gets thrown into the Hall of Fame because of what happened from the steroid era, and the guys that are actually participants don't get in. And again, the writers, they write these stories. They benefit from all of this, and then whenever it comes to actually putting them in the Hall of Fame, they they act like they're God. No, we can't, we can't have them in. They're cheaters. Well, how come you voted for them for MVP whenever you knew that they were cheaters? It just doesn't make sense. And the integrity clause, there's plenty of guys in the hall of fame, Ty Cobb, terrible human being in the hall of fame, but you've got Barry Bonds who was mean to reporters. Nope. We can't have him. in. he wasn't as bad as Ty Cobb, but Ty Cobb's in it's absolutely ridiculous. I, it, it just makes me sick. Like, and I shouldn't be this upset about it, but as a baseball fan, as a guy that watched Barry Bonds growing up, 
I loved watching him hit home runs every single day. He got intentionally walked with the bases loaded in the ninth inning in a two-run ball game. You don't see that ever in baseball, but it happened to Barry Bonds. Why? Because he was the most feared hitter ever. I loved what Jim Leland said whenever they had him on 93.7 The Fan earlier this week. Barry Bonds, 100% a Hall of Famer. Don't care what kind of guy he was. He should be put in the Hall of Fame. If you think a guy is a Hall of Famer the first year, why wait a couple of years to put them in? That's the other thing I hate. Last year, we had zero people put into the Hall of Fame. We had zero. It was pretty much the same ballot we have now, minus David Ortiz. None of them got in. This year, one. And this ballot is loaded. There's plenty of guys that should be put in this season. But, nope, only David Ortiz. He was really he was really fun. He said the F word into a microphone. He loves Boston. He's really fun to be around. He loves baseball more than other guys, apparently. It's just ridiculous. Can I say it real quick? Can I say it real quick? Because Greg won't say it. Yeah, Ty Cobb was just an all-time dick. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go there in a second. Let, let, let me back it up here a minute because I got, I got I got I got plenty to say here. Uh number one. 10 votes is stupid. I agree with Ryan. There are more than 10 players on the Hall of Fame ballot this year that are Hall of Famers. If you ask Ron Cook, there's zero. You ask DK, there's only four. Uh, you ask other guys. I think there's four people who turned it, I know of, that turned in blank ballots. Those guys are assholes, and those guys should have their votes removed. There was a first-year ballot that was empty. A first-year ballot? Empty. You waited 10 years as a paying member of the BBWAA to be a voting member to the Hall of Fame, and you left your ballot blank. Shout out to Kevin Gorman, because he's about the only guy in Pittsburgh. Will Graves only voted for four guys, and he's got the four right guys if you're going to vote for four. But Kevin Gorman voted for 10, and it was the same uh, as last year. Um, Here's my issue, and this is where I'm probably going to get a little bit more pissed off than I should. the character clause that DK wants to shove in everybody's face that disagrees with him on Twitter. Integrity, uh, character, sportsmanship. I was a dick to reporters. I'm Barry Bonds, so I'm not voting for Barry Bonds because he was mean to me. Uh, Yeah, but I benefited. My career skyrocketed because of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. That don't matter to me. I voted for him for MVP, but I won't vote for him for the Hall of Fame because he doesn't meet the character clause. I can't vote for him because the Hall of Fame told me not to. Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Uh, This is unbelievable that Barry Bonds not fight. But speaking of Ty Cobb, by the way, let's talk about Ty Cobb for a second. And I know that he got... Uh, in the Hall of Fame well before any of us were alive. But anyways, how about this? He beat the shit out of a handicapped person in the crowd before this is 90-some years before the Malice at the Palace. This guy had two of ten fingers left after an accident after an accident with a typing press. Uh, This guy had two of ten fingers. Ty Cobb went in there and beat the living hell out of the dude into the crowd. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Ty Cobb's a racist piece of shit. But, hey, he's a Hall of Famer, but Barry Bonds, he did steroids. Uh-uh-uh. You can't do steroids. You can't cheat the game like that and get into the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens cheated the game. He used steroids, too. You know who else used steroids? Pudge Rodriguez. He's in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Bagwell's accused of PED use. He's in the Hall of Fame. Tim Raines didn't get voted in by the writers, but he went in 
uh, by the players. He's in the Hall of Fame despite some PED use in his career. Uh, you can just Google steroid users in the Hall of Fame. You'll find plenty of them. But steroids with Barry Bonds, oh, Barry Bonds was a dick. Roger Clemens, oh, he was mean. And while Kurt Schilling's comments were bad, we shouldn't talk about lynching reporters. Kurt Schilling said some bad things on Facebook, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, th this character clause shit is unbelievable. Uh, and I'm about tired of it because there are guys, uh, and, and I think all four of them, I didn't vote for Sosa, but I think the other three guys are surefire, some of the best of all time that are no longer going to have a chance to be in the Hall of Fame with the writers, at least, hopefully the players that are on that committee and the former, uh, there's some journalists and everybody that are on that committee as well with the modern era committee. Uh, hopefully they get in uh, based on that. Uh, but I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, this, this character clause, it, it, this is the dumbest role and that's going, it might be dumber than the drop third strike. And that's really hard to do. We don't have enough time to, to, to go over how dumb that role is compared to this one. Uh, but listen, Ty Cobb beat the hell out of people. Gaylord Perry, among others, doctored baseballs. Uh, there's a, a draft dodger in the in the MLB Hall of Fame. I mean, there's there's countless things that MLB Hall of Famers have done that don't fit the character clause, but we seem to ignore them back then. Uh, but Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, all these steroid guys, uh, with some exceptions that are in the Hall of Fame, they can't get in. Uh, by the way, Shoeless Joe Jackson, who is blackballed from MLB and uh, the subject of Field of Dreams, uh, he was the best player in that World Series that the White Sox apparently threw. Uh, so Joe Jackson can't be in the Hall of Fame because uh, of his alleged uh, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, with the Chicago White Sox back then. And Pete Rose has the most hits in MLB history, but that guy gambled. And when we can't let Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, I, I just don't get it. Pete um, Rose bet on his own team. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he bet against the Reds too. Let's... But you know what? But you know what, guys? This is my fucking city. So we'll ignore the steroid users. We'll ignore his positive test. And again, he's a Hall of Famer, but We'll ignore his positive test because he said the F word on a mic after the Boston Marathon bombing. David Ortiz is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm going to come off the soapbox before I say things that I'll regret. Um, so this has been episode 106 of the Come On Network podcast, our MLB Hall of Fame review. Again, Steelers autopsy is coming your way, hopefully next week with Andrew Filipponi and Chris Muller. I'm sure that Chris, when he's on the pod, will bitch about Ben Roethlisberger enough to, to, until the cows turn green or whatever the hell the saying is. Uh, Andrew will be a good time. We had him on last year for the Steelers autopsy, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, you can go ahead and send us your comments and reviews, ratings. Uh, maybe you hate what we said. Uh, you can you can let us know, and then we'll be sure to adjust it as we go on. But this has been our MLB Hall of Fame episode of the Come On Network podcast number 106, and we'll be back with you for Steelers Autopsy coming your way. Follow us on social media at Come On Network. Subscribe, rate, and review the pod. Until next time, stay safe. Go Penguins, I guess, and come on. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.